going to be beginning in uh, verse 24. So just explain real quick while you're flipping there. This is the child with the foul spirit. Uh, if you know the story. It's, you know, Christ calls out the spirit out of the boy. So let's uh, begin reading verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, unto tear, said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead. Insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And he was, and when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's pray real quick. Dearly Father, uh, we just thank you for your scripture. Thank you for your word. Uh, pray that we just uh, open our hearts, open our minds to uh, what your word has for us today. Uh, we love you so much. In your heavenly name, amen. Now that we read the passage, i got one more verse for you guys. Can you flip over to Ma- uh, Mark eleven twenty four? just one verse. Make it simple, right? Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. There's a lot of power in prayer. So my story that I have today starts three years ago. As a camp counselor, I love to make sure I have my devotionals ready for my kids, before they come for the week. So I can spend five, six hours on a really good devotional, or I could you know, just kick back and be like, okay, Lord, let's just open up the Bible. Let's read that passage and try and convince, you know, convey it to the kids. So I put a lot of effort into my devotionals. Um, it was coming about junior three of my first year. I was in uh, cabin 5A, if you know Camp Tech Cabins, you got 5A, then 5B, it's split in half. And on the other side of me was a really good friend. His name is Bernard. Anyone here know Bernard? There we go. You're going to see a new side of Bernard this morning. Um, Bernard came to me. I'm sitting down, and um, well, let's first go. Um, who's ever been on fire for God? You felt that fire before. It usually happens at salvation or when you're doing heavy, heavy ministry. It's a great feeling. It feels amazing. But as a camp counselor, when you come back home, that fire, that roller coaster just kind of goes down. We go back to our habitual lives, doing the same things that we did, sometimes forgetting the decisions we made at camp. And that fire kind of goes down. Okay, well, I'm going to go to camp next summer, get back on fire. Okay, fantastic. What are you doing on the other two semesters during school? What's going on? How come you're not on that fire? How come it hasn't increased? Well, the answer to it is do ministry all the time, right? Well, even ministry becomes habitual. And you just start going to do it just because it's regular. Counseling, counselors, beware. It will become second nature. It will become very simple to counsel. When I sit down, do my one-on-one, hey, what's wrong with you? Not that way. But, uh, you know, how would you talk to your kids that way? It becomes very second nature, very easy to do. 
especially the counselors that are here for their second or even third year, it becomes very easy. You lose that fire. So it came junior three. We just had ICO. Everyone's excited. Everything's going great. We have junior one. Everyone's excited because the kids listen. Then we have junior. Uh, then we have junior two. Still okay. Tired, exhausted, but we're still on fire. Then comes family camp where you have to watch maybe two kids and make sure the family's okay. And you catch up on your sleep. You know, the roller coaster goes down a little bit for the joy. Then junior three hits and you're like, okay, let's do this. This will be great. Junior three is when it hit for me on the habitualness. On It just became second nature. It became, okay, get 10 more kids in my cabin, probably from Miss, uh, Miss D's church from Straight Gate. Not a problem. I'm sitting down writing down a new devotional because you have to read, get, start getting ready for your teens because you, know, you don't really use the same devotions for juniors that you do with teens. So I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm listening to some music um, and I heard the lyrics of this song. And I go, wow, I really like those lyrics. I wondered what would happen if I prayed those lyrics. If I asked God to do this in my life, I wonder what would happen. So I write down the lyrics in my Bible. Lo and behold, Bernard walks in. Hey, Tom, how you doing? I'm good, just getting ready for the next, next week. It's okay. We're talking a little bit more and you know, keeping each other accountable on how devotions are going. And I found out that he was kind of in that same lull. He's counseled more than I had many years in the past and whatnot, but he kind of hit that same lull that I was at. So he asked me, what are you writing? I go, well, it's just a prayer. I just think I might as well pray and try it out. He goes, can I try it? Yeah. I'll see how it works on you, then I'll see if I want to pray it or not. <laughs> this will be good. Does it work? Well, I'm not just going to wave a wand and poof, it's going to work. Like We'll have to see. You know, You have to mean it with a believing heart with a desire for what the prayer is asking. If you want to see a change, you have to believe that God will do it. You just can't say, Lord, uh, help me, please. It's that heart. It's the thing behind it. You can sit there sobbing and just say, Lord, work in my life. God knows your heart. So where's your heart at, Bernard? He goes, I really want this to change. I really want this in my life. I go, okay. And go ahead. It's only eight words. Don't worry, we're, we're going to get to it. I just say this so you know, just like campers, I want to make sure you guys are still listening. So I'm sitting there. He goes out, he prays the prayer, and he goes, Hey, we're going out tonight with some of our friends. You want to come? I go, I just had a week of straight gate kids. I'm going to get as much sleep as I can possibly get. So I go to bed around eight, nine o'clock. It was awesome. He comes back in the room. Late. He opens up the door in the middle of our cabin, slams it behind him, and he says, I hate you. Why this time? <laughs> Lots of reasons. I hate you. I go, okay. What happened tonight? He goes, well, we went out with a bunch of our friends, and we went out to the movies, and we got dinner. I go, okay. And what's the problem? I didn't, I was again, I was sleepy, I was tired. He woke me up. I go, what's the problem? He goes, Tom, PR called me when we were at Applebee's. I go, okay. 
And he asked me how our night was going. Okay. And I told him it was going well. And so you hate me because you had a good night? He goes, no, Tom, I, I lied to PR. He said, hey, how's everything going? It's getting a little late. Get back soon. And, PR, and uh, Bernard said, it's going well. We'll be back soon. He goes, I lied to PR because I knew I was not supposed to go to the movies, but I went anyway. Even at the movies, he said that he felt convicted. He felt so much guilt on him for going. I'm like, okay. Well, you know, scripturally, if you really have this issue, you need to go to PR and apologize. Now, I don't remember when this was. I talked to Bernard. He goes, it was like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm pretty sure we brought Culliver's to you. But whatever time it was, I said, I'm not getting out of bed. He goes, you're getting out of bed. He goes, this is your fault that I'm in this, in this spot. Okay, I'm not getting out of bed. I'll get you food. Good answer. So we went out, we got food. We go to PR's house. And so as we're driving, he's just like, I can't believe I lied. <laughs> me, you know, he woke me up. Bernard, you didn't lie. You deceived. You manipulated. And who's the one that led the charge? He goes, it was me. And I go, you brought others with you. So that's so much worse. I go, yeah, that's what you get for waking me up. <laughs> we continue to make our way to PR's house. And sure enough, PR has a light on. And uh, me being a first-year counselor, I'm sitting back in my truck, in, the, in, my, in my little Hyundai. And uh, he's sitting, he goes, are you going to come with me? I go, uh-uh. I don't want to be there when PR just rips you to shreds. Like, I'm just going to sit right I know better now. I know better now. We found out that PR stays up every night. Not to put P on a pedestal or anything, but he stays up every night praying for his campers and every night praying for his camp staff. So when Bernard said, hey, we're coming over, PR's going to be up. There's a lot of us, huh? A lot of campers, too. He went up. He said the moment he got out of the car, he felt a weight just get completely lifted off. He goes up, talk to PR. I'm sitting there eating some french fries and just watching then they go inside, and I'm like, okay. He comes back out, he gets in the car, and he goes, I feel so much better. I'm like, okay. So, you know, he's like, Tom, it's not like just a regular deal. I feel so much better. The, how guilty and convicted I felt. I feel so much better now. Good. I didn't pray the prayer. I didn't know what he was feeling. I didn't know the grief he was feeling. And then he hits me as hard as he can in the arm. And he goes, I'm never praying another one of your prayers ever again. <laughs> now the prayer is only eight words. It's very simple. But uh, I know even some people here have prayed it. I can call you out, but I'm okay. And they've seen drastic change within getting over sin in their life. Because typically it's that one hidden sin that no one knows about, that only you and God know about, and God's not reaching down to call you out on it, so you just keep doing it. Or maybe it's those little things that we need to fix internally. Whatever it may be, we need God's help with it. We can't just say, 
well, I know this really spiritual deacon or really good pat. Well, that's great. Accountability is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I, it's, you need it. But are you accountable with God? Who can cause that grief, that, that, that convicted heart in you? The prayer, again, eight words long. I've added three words since then. The A-word prayer is, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. The three words I added is, whatever it takes. Really digest that. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, whatever it takes. I have prayed this prayer many times, and I have fallen on my face Many times. In congregation, even though we're counselors and program and do summer ministry, we do still fall. Campers think we're perfect. They've put us on a pedestal, but we still fall. We know what we're struggling with majority of the time. But when have you asked God to take it out of your life? Legitimately, God, take this out. Break my heart. You know that every time that we sin, we break God's heart. Every time we sin, God cries for us. Counselors, you can relate, kind of. You have a precious camper, one that you've been working with. And he disobeys complete authority. And you thought you could trust him. You thought things were going great. But he breaks your trust. It hurts. Now imagine your son doing this. And God calls us his sons and daughters. And he reaches down and says, I forgive you. Please don't do it again. I forgive you. Please don't do it again. Not only if you can imagine what God feels when you break his heart. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I don't think he's going to give us the full amount, but people that pray this prayer, you know it doesn't feel too good. You know it hurts. You feel convicted almost every moment of your life. But that's when we see real change. Back to um, Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive him, receive them, and, the, and ye shall have them. The power of prayer. When God called out the, the, the boy with the foul spirit, the disciples asked, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Simple answer comes from prayer and fasting. Prayer. The power of prayer. I'm a firm believer that God hears every single one of our prayers, no matter how silly they even may be at some times. But if you were to ask God for something, you know, again, matters with with what? Pray for the lottery. Good luck. Pray for the salvation of a brother or sister. 
God will work hard. God's always working hard <coughs> to better you, to better other people. And we sometimes think to pray for ourselves is kind of difficult, but you need to have a strong relationship with God with nothing separating you two. But there's always that little crease in the middle that always has a wall of sin in there. Now, I'm not in my 70s, 80s, or 90s, and, you know, the Bible says no one's pure, no one's perfect. But I'm even feeling that no matter what age you are, you always are going to have that block between you and God. You still have the connection. You never lose salvation. Don't get me wrong. But there could be something distancing your relationship. So that's why I've come up with this prayer. And again, it's not mine, it's from a song. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, whatever it takes. All of it. Every sin will come up. For Bernard, it was a fact of uh, deceit and lying. And honestly, we would look and be like, hey, he could have gotten away with it, which he very well could have. But that guilt in his heart, he couldn't stand it. That weight on his shoulders, he couldn't stand it. For me, it was an anger problem that I'm still working with. Whenever I get too irritated, I can feel getting convicted immediately. Even when I start hearing something I don't really care for, I start getting that that guilty feeling of, hold back, Tom. Watch what you're about to say. Keep calm. Because you know you're going to have a pretty hard week of forgiveness if you let your anger get a hold of you. Lord, break my heart. The prayer is not for everyone. I always say this with my campers. I do not want you or encourage you to pray this prayer unless you want to really go through hardship. Everyone thinks the Christian life is easy. It's not. God needs to fix you and mold you into the man or woman that he wants you to be. And that doesn't come with just pats on the head and rubs on the back. That comes with real emotional, physical pain. Going against what you typically know. Maybe that means breaking off relationships at home with old friends that might be holding you back. Well, I've known this guy since I was two. Fantastic. Is he holding you back? Well, the fact that you have to say, well, you already know. Don't try and justify it. You know. And because of this, I've had to cut off relationships. I've seen people and friends cut off relationships to other people through this. We need to be praying. We need to encourage one another. I don't know what uh, our, our fellow um, program and counselors and everything like that have been praying for. I know counselors, they're on guys' side, we pray not to be babysitters, but to be counselors. Is a big difference. But have you asked about that little sin in your life? Have you asked God to take that out? He wants that relationship with you to be close. We can switch back to um, Mark 9, please. (laughs) 
When Jesus saw the people coming, run together, and he rebuked the foul spirit. I want to skip down to verse 28. And I touched on it, but I really want to dive into it. Verse 28, when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? We're disciples. Why couldn't we help this little boy with this foul spirit? In early verses, it said that the boy was looking like he was dead. Then Christ picked him up and he rose. Why couldn't we do that, Lord? How come we couldn't do that? Why would you show this stuff to us if we can't do it ourselves? It's because we need God every moment of every day. There are things that we can't do unless we have him with us. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now fasting, that's a whole other lesson. There's a lot of different things for that. But by prayer. How many of you have ever prayed for patience? That's a, not a fun prayer to pray, is it? I really hope counselors didn't pray for patience before ICO week. That may explain your cabins. Did God hear your prayer? Did he work in you? Did he show you how to be patient? Did he give you examples? With my youth group, I always talk about how God, in, in a complete metaphorical sense, is a UPS worker throwing boxes. And sometimes you have those little boxes for the little Christian, as it says in 1 John, the little Christian. Little box. As you mature and you grow, you can handle bigger boxes. Here's one. Then you hit, kind of you're on your fire for God, and you hit that pinnacle part, and God picks up this big box, and he throws it to you. How are you going to handle that? He helps you. Little things at beginning. The boxes get bigger and bigger and bigger. He throws them to you. How do you handle that? Because if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you're only going to stay at that little box. And you're not going to move forward. I can handle the little stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you can. I can handle the, um, my favorite, the homeschooled, homesick camper. Nothing's wrong with them. Life is great. Biggest sin is... I got mad at my sister. I can handle that stuff. Maybe you can handle the, the um, private school kid that has real issues with his family or whatever it might be. Okay, that's this box or something. A little bit more difficult. Have to dive into your scriptures deeper. Maybe handle that one. But let me ask you the biggest box of all. Can you walk up to a stranger, not put in your cabin or anything, a walk up to a complete stranger, big box, and give them the gospel. Someone you don't know. Counselors, campers are put in your cabin and you pray for them constantly. I hear you talking about it. But how hard is it to walk up to someone you don't even know, someone not put in your cabin, and talk to them about the gospel? For I am not ashamed. How's your prayer life dealing with that? And I'm sure, I know I'm not the only one guilty. The prayer life of... You hear someone tell them what's going on in their life and you just look by and you go, I'll pray for you. You didn't write it down. You don't remember. I had to correct myself, open up a whole tab on my, on my notes on my phone and start making a prayer list. 
When I said I'm going to pray for someone, I got sick and tired of myself not doing it and being a liar. I wrote it down so I could remember. But we do have people that just say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Sure. No problem. Yep, prayers, prayers, prayers. Prayers are so powerful. They have the ability to change lives. They have the ability to help one another. If you're not praying, how are you talking to God? God's word is how he talks to us, but we talk to him through prayer. And there's some people that go, well, I don't have time to pray. Oh, and by the way, your breakfast, lunch, and dinner isn't exactly a uh, personal prayer. I mean, again, I don't know your background and how long your prayer goes or how serious your prayer goes with family. But what about your personal prayer life with God? When you sit down and say, I need about five minutes. I need 30 seconds. I need to sit in my car and while I'm driving five hours, I'm going to pray. Because guess what? I got nothing better to do. I can turn on some of the music in the car, which could be really uh, not exactly edifying. Or you can drive and pray. Prayer is so important. And yes, I am beating this dead horse as long as I can. Because I know some people are going, okay, prayer is kind of important. I want to get back to the eight-word prayer, 11-word prayer. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, whatever it takes. I'm looking out, and I've seen many counselors in here, many programs that have prayed this prayer. I could probably have you stand up, give testimony, and some of you may cry because it hurts so bad. The words is just words. You have to have the heart to change it. The belief behind it to change it. For God to work in your life. True prayer, true passion for your change. You've come to that low point of, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I need your help. Break my heart. Make it physically and emotionally painful. So I don't do this anymore. Help me, God. But some of us have that weekly prayer of, all right, it's Sunday night, let's sit in bed. Pretty sure I lied this week. So Lord, forgive me for that. My bad. I'm pretty sure I probably had a real anger problem. So forgive me for that. I think that's it. I think I'm okay. Okay, good. Amen. There's no heart behind it. You don't want to change. We kind of shrug off the little stuff. It's not that important. It doesn't matter to us. Well, guess what? It may not matter to you, but it matters to God. And that's the separation between you two. And it hurts. It's painful. But God will work in your life if you ask him to. Now, speaking to the staff at Camp Tech, you will become at the part of where your job will be habitual. And it will get easy. And it will become second nature. And someone may look at you like, 
this program girl knows exactly what she's doing. We can trust her to handle her situations. No problem. Guess what? She knows what she's doing. This guy counselor knows exactly what he's doing. I can throw him 10 ICO cabins and he'll be just fine. Uh, I can't handle 10 ICO cabins. <laughs> that, that's a lot of stress. This is the reason why we put, you know, counselors, so just so you know, you know, I know Gus and PJ are co-counseling, but there's reasons behind that because you will get burnt out. You will get tired. You can't do that every week, especially if your prayer life and devotional life aren't keeping up with the heavy load that you're taking on. And... How's your prayer life? I know some counselors told me they do what Miss D said um, about going to, camp, to bunk to bunk to bunk, praying for every camper. Awesome, fantastic. I'm glad you can pray for your campers. I'm glad you have that ability. When are you praying for God to help you with your cabin? Because at 11 o'clock at night, when you go around doing your rounds, kind of like a checklist, Oh, I already prayed for him. No doubles for you. No. When are you praying for yourself? Lord, give me strength this week. Lord, keep me on a good testimony. Lord, break me if I go against you. Help me, Lord. Make me into the man or woman that you want me to be. When have you prayed something like that for yourself? Because guess what? It's not selfish to ask God for help. See lights out at 11. Don't see a flashlight or anything on to do your devos at night. I had a counselor that came to me. Uh, well, we, we did our one-on-one this past week. And he goes, I'm having trouble with my devotional life. I go, yeah. You work 24-7 except for Thursday. You work 23 hours. You get one hour off during chapel. Try and get a little nap in. Which we appreciate, PR. But I'm having trouble with my devo life. Yeah, I understand. I've been there. I know. What do you do to fix it? Most counselors or most people would say, I don't know. And the individual asked me, he goes, I, I don't know. I, 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 that's why I'm asking you. Okay, yeah. Get some note cards. Write down your devotional. The night, keep that note card in your pocket. Write your notes. And guess what? Magically... It's going to appear in, your, appear in your mind again because you just read it that night. You put your notes on it, you get your devos back. How do you get your prayer life back? Because I feel that maybe someone in this room, not just counselors or staff or anyone, but anyone, may not have such a strong prayer life. We always talk about prayer warriors and stuff like that. Where's your prayer life at? Because I'm going to argue that your prayer life needs to be just as strong, if not stronger, than your devotional life. You need to ask God daily for help with your life, because guess what? Only perfect man to live was Christ. And uh, if he knew how to do it so well, why aren't we asking him for help? My dad always told me, he goes, Tom, when you do an internship, you need to go like to the Fortune 500 companies. Dad, I'm not going to get an internship there. 
You can try. I tried. I get one. Sweet. Tom, learn as much as you can. Because guess what? These guys got it down. There's a reason they're a Fortune 500 company. There's a reason why they work so well. There's a reason for everything they do. Guys, counselors specifically, I think one thing that we labeled on our God chart was God is the great counselor. Why do you think you can counsel better than God? Why aren't you looking toward Him? Asking and praying for Him to help you rather than doing it on your own. Do it on your own. I'll, I'll watch and see how far that gets you. I'll be there when you fall. Because if God's not in your ministry, your ministry will fall. It's not a ministry, it's selfishness. Before I close, I want to restate the prayer. Let's see if y'all been listening. Can you say it with me real quick? Ready? Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, whatever it takes. Yeah, y'all learned it. Good. Now the question is, you know it. And again, the words don't have to be the same. That's very minimal. Is your heart behind it? Do you want that? I can sit up here all day long and go, hey, we each have sin. Hey, we need God's help. But do you really want God's help? We have counselors that go, I don't know if my kid got saved or not. Hey, God knows. And guess what? You don't work in hearts. God does. I can sit up here. Any pastor can stand up here and preach and preach and preach. But guess what? We don't work in hearts. God does. God's word convicts. God, God's word helps push you so you get to that point of, I need help. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. It's not easy to pray. Again, I do not encourage it. But if you feel that you hit that lull, and you've been kind of just sitting there, getting these little boxes, and you want God to really work with you, so you can get to those bigger boxes, whatever they may be. The reason why I said the stranger is because that's my box. Walking up to someone I don't know and sharing the gospel, that is difficult for me. And maybe someone else in here, but that is hard. I don't know what your little box may be. That's the homesick camper for me. I don't know what your middle box may be. But you know. You know what you can do right now, and it's simple. You know what you can do with this one? Hey, I, I can, I'm a big guy. I can carry that box, no problem. When you get to that big box, whatever it might be, and God said, I think you're ready. <sighs> Are you going to catch it? Mission achieved? Well done? Or are you just okay catching that little box? Your prayer and your relationship with God will grow if you keep pushing it. He doesn't want just a relationship out here. Sorry, connection. has to be salvation. He doesn't want your prayer out here. He doesn't want it here. He doesn't want it here. He wants it here. He wants it a very close, intimate relationship with you. But if you're okay just throwing boxes, it's whatever. It's, you're just not going to go very far. Life will just sit there. 
But I encourage you to pray. Again, the prayer is not just for everyone. It's for the people that want to pray, that want to get out of that lull. So if you bow your heads with me, we'll, we'll pray and close today out.